Powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN, it is Season 5, Episode 35 of the Brain Dregs Hockey Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-Year-Old Sherry Cask, all of the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. Um, so we're recording episode 35 here on Tuesday, as we always do. We try and hit the mark on Tuesday and Thursday with Ray and Dregs. And uh, relatively quiet weekend here in Brooklyn, Ontario, other than Ray. And you'll appreciate this as a pet owner. Uh, Son Mason is uh, in the early stages of moving back home from Guelph, right? I mean, uh, there could uh, job-related. There's lots of, of reasons why he's considering this. The problem is, he has a cat. Um, out. Sorry, son. He, Love you. Out. <laughs> well, the cat was dropped off on Friday here. So oh. the, the, the cat is living in the basement, which we have, uh, you know, uh, an in-suite, like a granny suite in our basement mm-hmm. where Mason spends 99% of his time when he's here. So it's not a deep inconvenience, but he's not here in week because he's still working in Guelph. So we're on top of managing the cat. Tiny and the cat don't really want to get to know each other. You know, it's sure. a cat dog. You understand that. So if that's not challenging enough, the chaos is elevated by the fact that Mason, his girlfriend Kaylee, also got a puppy. Andy, the Portuguese water dog. Now, the good news in this is Andy, who's just a few months old, I think, actually lives at Kaylee's parents' house, which, which isn't that far away. However, they're co-parenting this animal, and now Andy and Fluffer the cat are trying to... Hang on, wait a minute, back up. What's the cat's name? Fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> Do we really need to go here? Like, what, no what is he doing? Do well, hold like, on. Oh, There's a, oh a, hey, Fluffer, <laughs> why don't you come over here and have a seat? Come on. Well, it kind of goes from Fluffer to Fluffy. But, you know, the cat has been around our family for quite some time. He just more or less took ownership of the cat. And the cat's original name was Minnie, which was also kind of weird. Um, not like Fluffer. No, he didn't like Minnie. So he, he Who did the cat or Mason? Uh, well, so he... he, he Took this cat to Guelph where he lives with three. It's it's kind of a good story that four guys live in this house in Guelph. They all played hockey, minor hockey together all the way through. Two of them are playing in Guelph University now. Uh, Mason is not. He's working. Um, but they, 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 they all just kind of got a hold of the cat and decided that Fluffer was a better name than many. So now we refer to the cat. Well, <clears throat> I... I would say this animal <laughs> convergence at your house yeah, is right for a disaster. It's chaos. Because, yeah. yeah, because there's going to be a point here. My brother pulled this stunt in 1980, whatever, came home, got a dog, you know, came back from school, got a dog. So he's living at home with mom and dad, yeah. moved out, left the dog. Now all of a sudden mom and dad got a German shepherd. They need a German shepherd like a hole in the head. Yeah. back then right and so but they my brother just left the dog like what are they gonna do so of course they're looking after it you're gonna get left a cat a dog tiny's gonna hate them both and good for tiny tiny should demand his space <laughs> anyway i knew 
as uh, somebody who joins in my thinking of not silence is better because you're in a busy house, right? There's not the seldom. I enjoy silence. silence. Oh, I silence love it is though. Nice. You know, just organization is nice. Things where they should be in their place. You appreciate that, so do I. Yeah, yeah, not not in my not house. That doesn't happen. Uh, what well, I'm only going to add one thing onto this your story here. So, uh, on December 24th, we're blessed with little Luca. Yes, right? yes, Luca. You know who hates Luca? Ollie can't stand him. Jealousy. It it, it oh happens a God. lot. Yeah. So he he'll come over. Landon walks over with the baby, and yep. everything's going fine. And then Ollie, all of a sudden, you see him, he stops and he gets his back up and he starts oh, yeah. sniffing around. Yeah. He goes over, he'll sniff the baby's head, you know, and he's like, baby smell great. Yeah. Right. And he's like, sniffs around and then he just goes back on his hind legs and he's like, Arr. yeah. So yeah. Landon's like, oh, for crying out. So Land, we get a, we get a bunch of six minute visits with Luca Yeah. because, but Ollie's going to have to go. Well, obviously, there's a getting used to it type of phase in all of this, but it has to be jealousy, right? Like I, it is for sure. It has to be because Ollie's not used to seeing you or Cammy or Landon, for that matter. You know, paying attention to something that small, something other than Ollie. So, well, when uh, when Cammy when Cammy picks up Luca, oh, yeah. it's on. That's <laughs> <laughs> me. I think he's like, yeah, he put that thing down. Whatever. Whatever. But when it's Cammy, oh, he's not. He's not buying that. Well, there you go. Good luck with that. It'll work out in the end. Ollie will come around. He will come around. Yes. All right, so let's uh, check out our Tim Hortons headlines for the start of the week. Brought to you by, of course, Tim Hortons, celebrating 60 years this year. Did you know the first Tim Hortons opened in Hamilton? 1964. And now Tim Hortons, Ray, has over 4,000 restaurants across Canada, 5,700 around the world. I did not know that there were 1,700 Tim Hortons restaurants outside of Canada. I, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. It's a great, iconic brand, but that's a big number. That, that is a big number. I, I, do, I do enjoy when I wander across a Tim Hortons somewhere in the U.S. I don't know why it just, <laughs> I kind of go, oh, Timmy's. Makes you like feel good, though, right? Yeah, like it does. Like, oh, 100%. Slice of home, yeah. And, yeah. So, uh, wow, that's a big number. It is a big number. And... Uh, in, in celebration, in honor of everything going on at Tim Hortons, you can check out their four iconic retro donuts as part of the celebration. They're available now. Um, all right. Corey Perry signs, Ray, with the Edmonton mm -hmm. Oilers. No surprise. You know, this had been speculated. Yeah, there was some ongoing kind of peripheral speculation as to whether Corey wanted to sign with a Canadian team to avoid some of the noise some of the attention, unwanted, I might add, that his family would have to deal with because of what did or didn't go on in Chicago and all that. But he signs, he's on the ice with the Edmonton Oilers. How do you see Corey Perry fitting in there? Um, I, I, I don't see why there is any risk whatsoever for the Oilers with, with this signing. They, had, um, they don't have a lot of money. They wanted to add size on their fourth line. Like that, that was going to happen. Even in this winning streak, um, you know, lots of times they're running out a fourth line. Uh, uh, James Hamblin, who really did a nice job for him, Sam Gagne, um, Derek Ryan, like they're little. And we, 
whether people want to accept it or not, when you get into mm -hmm. the hard part of the year, the hardest part of the year, the ice does shrink. And if you've yeah. got a bunch of big people, it shrinks even more. So you've got a league minimum salary on a guy that doesn't need a whole lot of ice time to be effective uh, anymore. Like he, no. he doesn't, he can, he can play 10 minutes for you and he'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. And as far as walking into the locker room, the, one of the, one of the best parts about adding a veteran at this stage of their career is they all understand what they are and what they're not, because if they don't, they would have long been gone out of the game by now. Like the, you just know what you can and can't do anymore. And you know, you can't do what you used to do. Yeah. So now you, yeah, he hasn't won in forever, right? He won as a as a kid in in Anaheim. <clears throat> Excuse me, but all, all these close chances or close misses, and now you got a chance to go in there. You just go in, you do your part. Uh, yeah. He doesn't say a lot anyway. Like he's not a rambunctious yeah. guy. It's funny we just had Nick Felino on the other day, and he was amazing. And Luke Richardson had told us the difference between Nick. And Corey Perry coming into the Blackhawks locker room was night and day because hmm. Felino's telling stories about his grandmother and his and the pasta that he cooked and his kids <laughs> and like he's always talking to everybody and Perry just kind of he does his yeah he does his thing and so I I think it's a I think it's a really good bet because here's the thing if it doesn't work drags it's at a salary level that they can yeah. waive yeah. and move on from. So the the entire impetus here for success is on Corey Perry. There's no risk to the Oilers on the ice at all for me. And you know what? Um, I, I respect Corey's position in his first media availability. You know, Ryan Rashog asked the question mm -hmm. that had to be asked, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Corey just said, you know what? Uh, I covered all of this. I made my position and my direction. You know, very, very clear in the statement that I issued after everything that went down in Chicago. And I'm I'm just not going to comment on moving forward. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. People want to dig. They can dig. He's 38 years old. You don't think that he's been fired hard balls and curve balls and everything else by media in the mm -hmm. past? You know? The, the, just move the, on. I, under, I understand the curiosity. I really Agreed. do. Yeah. The, you know, like I... And and he's got to understand that too. And there is a certain point that the that the league said it's fine. And even though I guess I guess they did have to say it was fine at some point, but they said it was fine and all of a sudden he's back and ready ready to go. So to answer more questions, I yeah. I don't think he probably needs to do that. Whether as much as we all or have that curiosity bone in us that yeah. about anything. Yeah. You'd like yeah. is that like to know a little bit I, mm. I don't think he needs to answer anymore all right um so the other big news you know i guess of the weekend ray would be patrick was hiring mm. replacing Lam lane lambert new york Islanders head coach um not surprised that patrick was made his way back to an nhl bench because right. again in the world of speculation every time there's you know a, a coaching potential coaching vacancy his name would would kind of pop up in the background um, and, right. you know, never seemed to get any traction, but we know he's a sound hockey guy. But as soon as he hit the ice with the Isles, 
you could see, you could hear the energy and the passion. So, yeah, it's too bad for Lane Lambert. He's out. But Lou Lamorello looks at the standing and says, we're, we're past the midpoint here. We're on the outside of the wild card picture, and I got to try and do something to spark this group. And what better way to do that than with a, a blast from the past and a guy who obviously Lou thinks can lead this team into the postseason. Okay, so <clears throat> when whenever there's a coaching bubble up where people start speculating, hey, there could be a change here or there, and we hear all the time, oh, it's always the same old names. Well, the reason it's the same old names is because most observers don't know who the young names are. Because how would you, unless you were invested in learning about coaches in junior or the American hockey league? Right. Like you just, right. you just wouldn't know. So the, the same names pop up and Patrick's has always been around the periphery. The two challenges to hiring Patrick were A, the way it ended in Colorado. Two weeks before training command, he quit. Yeah. And yeah. that doesn't just go away. And it, it's a fight over player personnel with the then general manager, Joe Sackick, who he's a longtime yeah. teammate with. And you're like, man, if he can't get along with Joe, like, how's he going to get along with <laughs> If you're the guy hiring a coach, you're like, can't get along with Joe, who has zero enemies on the planet. Like, how, how's he going to get along with the next guy? So there's, yeah. there's hindrance one. Two is that, the last time we see him, you know, like he's, he's still so fiery and emotional. And do you really want that behind your bench? And so mm -hmm. time goes on and he's not been away from the game. He's just been away from the NHL game, right? Like he's, Agreed. he's yeah. been coaching. He's had, so to think that the game's passed him by in my mind is, is a, an error because he's mm -hmm. been coaching the upswing of the game. As the game has mm -hmm. changed, as the game has evolved, he's been in it. So now going into the NHL is kind of just an extension of what he's been doing. Um, I, I also think you have a general manager who, if you're going in there, you're pretty clear that player personnel decisions are in one door. And they're, <laughs> they're, it's not a collaboration. Like Lou has done it Lou's way for however many years he's been a manager. Lou's 82, I believe. Yeah, yeah. He's not hiring a developing coach. No. Like it's, hey, I, I think my team is better than this. I need, a, I need a spark and I need a reaction and I need it like yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so while I was surprised because like everything Lou does, it's nobody knows anything about it and then boom, it happens. Um, I was surprised by, oh, geez, Patrick Waugh. But I think I would have been surprised by most any name, unless yeah. unless it would have been Craig Berube. I think I probably would have been surprised by by everybody. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I do think it is a shift in, not I do think, I know it's a shift in the way that the players are going to hear a message and it'll be up to them to respond. And I don't know how good they can be, but... Um, they're going to they're going to be different for sure. So we didn't talk about Jacob Chickern of the Ottawa Senators last week and his name has been kind of out there loosely in the media for several days now, right? Yeah. Um and you know, at least in theory he joins Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Sean Walker, Nick Sealer on the growing list of potentially available defensemen. Now the difference of being 
Chikrin has a year remaining on his contract at 4.6 million with the cent. So a different set of circumstance here. Uh, I know Steve Steos is listening, but not eager to move him. Um, at least maybe not in season. You have more flexibility in the off season mm-hmm. because now you've got 31 teams engaged here. And, and people are going, geez, he's a good offensive defenseman. Like why? Well, I mean, is it as simple as looking at that, that collection of left shot D and seeing Jake Sanderson and Shabbat at $8 million and going, well, this guy's going to need a raise. And we have some pretty specific needs. So why not at least listen, listen to the interest when teams are calling? Or does it not make sense to you because you like that player and from an age perspective think he's, he's someone they should hold on to? Well, to me, to me, it's a decision that has to come down to pike down the pike between Chikrin and Shabbat. Can't have them both. Um, and the reason you can't have them both is because you got Jake Sanderson at eight million dollars too. And yeah, I mean, like Sanderson is. I'm going to say he's immovable because you don't want to move him. He is yeah. like yeah. he's a corner post, right on your on your team. They went and they swung big at those long. These long contracts for young guys are, in in my mind, are 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 so they're so risky because you just you're you're betting on a a grand potential that you just never know if it's going to be there. You can have a gut feel and a good feel, and yeah, I hope, man, eight years is a long time. Eight million dollars yeah. is a lot of money, but in any case, they've they've made that bed with with Jake Sanderson. Um, mm-hmm. so now you have two defensemen, one making 8 million bucks in Shabbat, one at 4.6 in Chikrin. Neither of them defend particularly well. Both of them are offensive minded defensemen. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have much hope of moving Chick or of moving. If you decided to move Shabbat at 8 million, I don't think you have much hope of doing that. I think you have a way better chance to move chikrin if that's what you decide to do um to me it's a it's an imbalance on their defense that they've got to correct and sometimes correcting it makes a hard decision chikrin's game has long been about offense and the question is about his defensive game his awareness in the d zone and what can you pay him that 4.6 number though makes him super attractive oh to teams like if 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 indeed Chikrin is available, like if that's where uh, Steos and Poulin get to, um, whew, I I think there'd be a lot of teams that would be would be pretty interested in him. Yeah, yeah, and I I wonder Ray, if there isn't a sense of freedom from Steos's chair here. In that, okay, I mean he he's had enough time now to analyze the group, and yeah. and he has more time between now and March eighth, but. If you're Pierre Dorian, maybe you're not having the same sort of consideration with Jake Chikrin because you were the guy invested and you were the guy that paid the price to acquire him from the Arizona you know what, Coyotes. Drake, whether it's Pierre Dorian or some other GM, yeah, they all, and I understand it, they get hamstrung by the moves that they make. Because they do. once they make them, they're going to jam that peg in the hole, whether it, <laughs> whether it fits or not. And it's going to... And they're going to keep, oh, no, but I think it's coming. Oh, yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Do you know who, yeah. you know, I have long been amused by and admire 
for not being like that is Jim Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Just go back to his days in Pittsburgh. How many times did they make a move? It didn't work. They just traded the guy and they moved him along. He's like, well, it didn't yeah. work. And I think it's really hard to do that. I, I And I put myself, if I were a manager, because if you make it, I make a trade for Darren Drager and it's not quite mm-hmm. working. And I'm like, I've got to tell everybody I made a mistake or I'm going to try and round the edges off here and hope that Dregs fits in this <laughs> square peg round hole thing or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's gotta be hard to do. So you're, you're right. Staos does have a, he has a freedom of a new owner that he has a long relationship with a new, mm-hmm. a new job and the open field of shaping a roster that clearly needs to be reshaped. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, we'll move off Ottawa here and we'll get on to the Boston Bruins, but it does. It, it's starting to look a little bit more. And getting Pinto back was was a real nice add yep. for the Sens. But they, it looks like the players are starting to conform to the way Jacques is demanding they play. Alfie demanding they play with a little bit more defensive. Well, they. Right? The, as much as look, I love goals. I think as much as anybody, and it pains me to say that you can't. You just cannot win unless you have attention at the other end of the ice. You just can't. You can say, oh, but we can outscore our problems, or we defend pretty well. The last team that defended pretty well that was <laughs> successful and won was nobody. Yeah, It just yeah. it doesn't happen. All right. Um, Boston Bruins. Uh, to me, they, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't be as surprised as I, as I continually am. I, I mean, their goaltending is top-notch. Yeah. So maybe that's beginning, middle, and end of the level of success. Are we waiting for the Bruins, though, to flatten out even a little bit? Like five straight wins here, including an impressive one over Winnipeg, 4-1 last night. We know they're, they're, they've got good, young, competitive players. I think of, of DeBrusque, who's kind of come late here. Yep. Um, Frederick is a nice add. Um, Geeky is versatile. He can play all kinds of different slots for you. And then again, the, the goaltending. So, do you expect they're going to flatten out here or are they going to run away with the East? Because that's the way it looks right now. Well, I often think, okay, I'd like to go back and listen to what I said a few months ago because it's proven that I'm right. But I don't <laughs> yeah. want to do that with the Bruins because <laughs> I said there, at the start of the year, there's going to be 30 points available that teams in the East are going to be able to collect the Buffaloes and Detroits and Ottawa's and, oh yeah, Boston just kept them all. I don't yeah. get it. I, I just, yeah. I don't get, and, and I'm going to, even from just a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to pretend that I didn't say the coach of the year candidates and not include Jim Montgomery. And the reason I'm going to say that is last year, Montgomery wrote in that lineup in the first day of the year, and then he coached the team. And that was it. Mm-hmm. It never moved. The lines never changed. You had, you know, DeBrusque was with, with with Krejci and Marchand was yeah, with Bergeron yeah. and like that was it right they just went forward this year I've done uh, maybe four or five uh, Bruins game strikes I was looking at yeah. my charts the other day because I got a game coming up and I'm like I know where this is going none of them are the same <laughs> like from I've got Trent Frederick at center I've got him at right wing I've got yeah. him at left wing I've got Geeky in the middle I've got him at right wing I've got him 
Yeah. Charlie Coyle, like all of a sudden, how is Charlie Coyle a top line center? I don't know if he is, but he is there. And so I think, I think Montgomery's done a masterful job of looking at his roster and going, what do I have right now? And remember Mm -hmm. early in the year, it was Matt Potras. And then he's taken a predictable step back. So now they move him to the wing. They play him on the fourth line. They move him over here. They move him over there. Oh, they move geeky into the middle. They move. Frederick's going (laughs) to like Frederick's. I think we forget Frederick was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it took five years. Yeah. And, but the brew, this is why, if I can just go on a little tangent, this is why you can, you can't look at a young player and say they're all the same about their, their development. The Bruins could wait for Trent Frederick as much as they didn't want to because they had Bergeron yeah. or Cra- and Krejci. If they didn't have them, they couldn't have waited for mm-hmm. him and they might have had to trade him. And he might be doing mm-hmm. this somewhere else. I think it's yeah. really instructive about teams as they're growing. Like if you can insulate your young guys, it's the best. Sometimes you just can't. And those guys get moved before they should. But did you watch the game last night? The, I did. Yeah, oh, not all of it, but I watched a chunk. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. In the first half of the game, I'm like, I don't think either team is going to get to 10 shots. It was like playing in a mirror. Check, check, check. <laughs> check. I'm like, there's nowhere. To, it's like each team no. had not. It was like one of those Timbits games in between periods where they got 12 guys on the side. There was nowhere to go. It was really, <laughs> really impressive to watch how tight those teams can play. I, I, I mean, at one point it covered my eyes because Potter ran into Adam Lowry. <laughs> and it was like Lowry just somehow exploded. And I had to rewind to watch it. And it didn't look like Matt really caught him. Like he barely touched him. It was just one of those kind of weird sort of Sometimes if you happen. get a big boy off balance, <laughs> it, it's like the Titanic going down. Because yeah, if, if he's got his feet planted, that collision's oh. going to go a lot different. <laughs> Way different, yeah. All right, we're going to wrap up Tim Horton's headlines with this. Um, and, and look, maybe we should have talked about it last week, but it seems to be gaining a bit of steam. And I know that junior hockey is still very much near and dear to your heart at all levels. So major news in junior A hockey, where five teams from the Alberta Junior Hockey League will jump to the BC Junior League next season. So you're talking about Black Falls, Brooks, Okotoks, Sherwood Park, and Spruce Grove joining the BC League, which no longer competes under the umbrella of Hockey Canada. Um, so when anybody who's, who's listing in the U.S. doesn't understand why that matters, it matters because now this allows teams to recruit 16, 17-year-olds across the country. Under Hockey Canada's governance, as we know, teams can only recruit within their province. So no flexibility from Hockey Canada. So BC says, no problem. We're the best junior A league in the country. We're going to take our puck and go home. <laughs> So they break away from right. Hockey Canada and now lure five Alberta junior teams into the group for next year. I like the, the, the concept of a Super League appeals to me, but the grassroots part of it, because not what's going to happen, Alberta, Ray? Like those are five terrific, powerful mm-hmm. teams in that AJHL loop. So I understand from a competitive aspect, as a parent, I would understand why I'd want my kid to play in that environment. But then from an old school hockey uh, grassroots development perspective, 
Oh, no. So is this on Hockey Canada for not being more flexible? Or are you a little pissed off at, you know, the BC League just kind of going on a power trip here? Well, I um, I have a little bit of insight into this. My son, Landon, who is now home after retiring yeah. this year, yeah, he's coaching a little bit um, around the birth of his son uh, with Langley in the BC Junior League. So mm-hmm. I, I know this a little bit. My other son, Matt, is uh, billeting one of the kids that plays in trail in the BC Junior League. So Hockey Canada at this, in this discussion, um, it, it's almost like you're going to be the toughest guy in the cemetery. Like, who cares? Right? Like, so there's now a 17 team league, I believe is the number. It's bigger than that from BC and Alberta. Yeah. And you're, you're left with what? Like, it doesn't make any sense. The, they're, Part of their posture was, yeah, go ahead, have your own league. How are you going to get insurance? Well, the BC League went and got insurance. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the same thing, but it's their own individual league. I'll tell you, Dregs, you 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 struck the point though, and that's at the grassroots level. But I think people think of grassroots as being little kids. But yeah. but let me give you an example. <clears throat> because they're not part of. Um, Hockey Canada, those teams, the BCHL teams, cannot take a player, an affiliated player from Junior B, and bring them up if they have injuries, for example. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's that's long been the way it's been done. You know, you have local junior teams, Junior B teams. Players get signed to a Junior A card. They're able to play. You have a certain number of cards, and they're allowed to fill their rosters. So that might not seem like a big deal, except what do you do with a third goalie? Mm-hmm. Where does he play? Yeah. Well, he can't play anywhere. He can't th- play midget. Can't no. play midget. That's an affiliated league with Hockey yeah. Canada. So now you're getting into the point where the adults are fighting over something that's not of the benefit for the kids. And if you really care, then you need to start digging in about what can we do? You know what's going to happen is that the academies, are going to gain traction here because the academies are not affiliated with Hockey Canada. Yeah. And so a, uh, a league is, go- is formed and going to continue to grow because the junior A teams are going to need academies because those players are going to need to be part of the pipeline that goes to the best junior A league in the country. Yeah. And so what you got is a big frickin' mess. And it's, it is now time as much as they said, oh, we'll go ahead and do it, it's now time with the five teams from Alberta moving to the BC League, it's mm-hmm. now time to go, okay, we got to dig in and figure out what's the best way forward because this isn't it. I agree. I agree. Well, it's a, it's a story that we'll continue to monitor here. I, kn- I know from a CHL perspective because those players also can't play major junior hockey. Correct. You know, um, CHL. Oh, Drake's, we should clarify. What that means is once you sign your card, yeah. which basically is your contract for the year, uh, I believe it's yeah. September 1st, that mm-hmm. eliminates you for the entire year. Correct. So a player that's playing in junior A and 
<clears throat> in Trail or Salmon Arm or Surrey or wherever, yeah. and say Lethbridge says, "Hey, geez, we we think you're a heck of a player. We'd like to yeah. bring yeah. you up here in November." They can't. If that player even wants to go, they can't. Yeah. yeah. So you can see where on on many arms this crosses and the wires don't touch. And, and I think it's incumbent on Hockey Canada because they're the ones that are on the back foot here and say, okay, yeah. how can we make this amenable for the most kids? This has to be about, for both the BC League and Hockey Canada, what's the decision we can make that benefits the most players? Because anything else is the wrong way to look at it. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And it's something that, you know, We'll continue to monitor here moving forward. Um, a bit surprised it hasn't gained more attention in Canada. Anyway, it's something we'll continue to follow. Those are your Tim Hortons headlines. Your favorite retro donuts are back from the past. And with our 20-minute fresh coffee, what's classic is always fresh. So good. It's time for retro donuts. It's time for Tim's. It's time for Tim's. Our interviews and rain regs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask, signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. Uh, let's take a couple of Ask Rain Dregs and sure, sure. questions. You can send us your questions on Twitter or socials, Instagram, Rain Dregs, uh, or on the website, randregs.com. Okay, uh, Chris has a question about officiating. Hey guys, love the pod. I have a question in regards to referees and how they call a game. I know they micromanage the blue line for offside down to the finest hair, but why is the red line dumping so loosey-goosey for calls? Both enter the offensive zone, but many of the dump-ins from the red line are rarely by the book over the red line as it's supposed to be. Why the difference in entering the offensive zone, Ray, as far as how they call it. And I, the reason I, I, I go to this is I've noticed that, but it, I think it happens so frequently that I'm just like, nah, it doesn't really matter. <clears throat> as long as the play continues, I don't care. Keep going. You're you're 100% right. Here's the thing, though. Um, <clears throat> of the rules that have not changed uh, over the last 20 years, I'll say, are when you do dump the puck in, if you're in motion, and your follow through brings you to the red line, they let you, they let the play go. And the reason they do is there would be 137 face-offs. And so I, <laughs> you know, so I think they believe, and they're right, there's no real yeah. scoring chance when you dump it in. Although lots of times it could lead to one. Yeah. And so I think they go, unless it's obvious, they go, nah, it's fine. And and right or wrong, I think. It's stoppages of play that they're, you know, you're you're trying not to to get a handle on, you know, or try to right. you're you're they're trying to get a handle on. They don't want so many that there's, you know, literally seventy face offs a night. Like, right enough. Okay, Alan. Hey, Ray and Regs. I've been listening, watching your show since the start, and I love Thank you. it. You guys make a fabulous team. Your interactions and banter with each other and your guests are what. The show is all about. So great. My question related to your podcast, you've had a lot of great guests over the season. So if one of you had to go on LTIR and the other had to 
choose someone else to fill in for an extended period, who would be in your top three? And ultimately, who would you get to fill in the big shoes of your podcast mate? Would it be someone you've had on the show before? A call-up that you've never had before? I mean, Alan is digging into our business. That's pretty good here. That's pretty good. The guys that I'm thinking of right away, they already have jobs. And they're probably not going to leave them due to the pay cut. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe this is a little bit of recency bias, but Nick Foligno would be phenomenal. Yes, he would. Yeah. Um, by the way, the you know, as the Kelsey brothers have their podcast, and they oh. do, and it's hilarious. And it's hilarious. And by the way, if <laughs> if Jason Kelsey could have been funnier on the weekend. Yeah. With no shirt on in Buffalo, pounding beers, yeah. and his wife yeah. in the back just laughing at him. Like, I thought yeah. that was. But anyway, I was going to say the Felino brothers should have their own podcast because there are a couple of knuckleheads that make me laugh all the time. But Nick Felino, recency bias would be one. Steve Thomas would be another because he's a great storyteller. Glenn Healy would be another. And. Yeah. And I would always have, if if you want to talk sports and have somebody laugh, Andrew Brunette should be on your <laughs> list. One of the yeah. one of the great one of the great characters around. So that that's kind of the of the great yeah. guests we've yeah. had. That would be that would be some of them for sure. No, you? I get it. Who, yeah, who same. I, I mean, I I might throw Chris Pronger into that mix. Oh yeah, you know, again, just a character. Uh, he's got so much going on, though, and your point was well made. None of these guys are taking the pay cut, so probably not happening anytime soon. Jake Middleton was a really he good was guest. great, and you'd never <laughs> you'd never have to. The only thing you'd have to worry about is what if he decided he was packing that day and he was yeah. throwing all his clothes in a garbage bag to yeah. to walk to the next place. Remember when he got <laughs> traded? He couldn't come on right away because he had to go buy a suitcase because he never owned one. He had like five t-shirts. <laughs> like, you know? that was the that's the of it. best. I love oh. that. <clears throat> I might throw the dog, O-Dog, into the mix, but oh. hey, a motivated O-Dog, um, and, and you got something there. You can work with a motivated O-Dog. Um, beyond that, I mean, James Duthie kind of does everything. If we're looking more of, of my role, like, you know, kind of the host, quasi-host, mm-hmm. um, Duthie's well-versed, man. Like, he's he's, at, he's in Turks and Caicos oh, right now. Yeah, he's, he's busy. He's yeah. in Turks and resetting from what? Yeah. Think well, about it's it. been a grind for him. You know, and he's got the Super Bowl right around the corner. You know, the biggest... Is he playing? Mm. No, he's not playing. Okay, just check. Because, you know, he was quite a flag football player in his day till till he got mm. injured and, and limped on the set. <laughs> <laughs> He does have some bizarre stories when it comes uh, to some of his. We should get him his on physical breakdowns. Yeah, we got to get him. You know what? We should get him soon because his 49ers, they are sitting there in the championship game, and you know he's excited. You know, maybe we'll get him like from from the field or something at Super Bowl. See how that works. Like just a real quick man yeah. on the scene type of thing. Kermit the Frog here. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> Most of our listeners are too young for that. Go look at Kermit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He always had the trench coat on and he was like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Reporting live, Kermit the Frog. Um, all right. Final question. Ask Grand Dregs anything. And this is a softball, but I like it from Matthew. How did Ollie and Tiny's names come to be? You know what? 
I don't know where Ollie came from. Ooh. He the boys didn't uh, contribute. They must have. They must have. Okay. So Riley was old. Right, you know, Riley was older. He was 14. I don't think he noticed till the dog showed up here. You know, yeah. he, you know, that 14, 15 year old. Yeah, Reese yeah, was yeah. right in. Reese was right into it. Right. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. They, Cammy and was leaning. I forget. I for, oh, oh, she wanted Charlie. I'm like, no. No, I, I, I don't know why. It just, uh, I don't want Charlie. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I, I don't know where Ollie came from, but I, now I, it's like your kids. I like it. But it's yeah. like your kids, right? Like I'm sure yeah. when you had Katie and Mason, you had other yeah. names you were kind of kicking around. And if yeah. you think of them now, you're like, nah, that's, that wouldn't fit. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Ollie's perfect. Tiny, what did you think? Like, what's the most, <laughs> uh, what's the, furthest away from what this yeah. dog's going to be or what? I guess. You know what? I don't even have a cool story. She was a rescue dog, right? right. Um, I don't know if this organization is still operating, but it was a company called Great Danes Angels. Hmm. Um, and look, I mean, when when you acquire a Great Dane as a puppy, unless you've had them before, you obviously have no idea what you're getting. I mean... Some of these behemoths can grow up to 200 pounds or, or old or, or bigger than that, right? So that's why Great Dane Angels exist. Mm -hmm. So people, unfortunately, can't handle the expense <laughs> of feeding and taking these, these big dogs to the vet. So they turn them back. So we got Tiny from um, Great Dane Angels from a family in Quebec. And mm -hmm. her name was Tiny. We just thought, eh, why would we confuse it? She was like two and a half. Nine. How long have you had Tiny? Uh, she's nine now, oh. so six and a half years. Yeah. How much yeah. food do you think that dog is eating? Like, I'll tell you. It's you know, again, I'm sure you you feed Ollie oh, quality food. I, I gotta stop. <laughs> okay, maybe not. No, yeah. <laughs> don't lose your train of thought. So, yeah, Ollie's been having tr trouble with the dog food, so. We've been making, like, we have, like, you know, like some ground turkey and you put some carrots and peas in it, right? And so we had this thing in the in the fridge. And so Cammy goes to feed him last night and she goes, did you throw out all the turkey and, and all these food? I go, oh, I ate it. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it was like turkey and ground peas and carrots and stuff, right? She's like, that's the dog's food. I go. It was delicious. I had it for lunch. Come <laughs> on. So when I, was the turkey from? I don't know. I feel great. You ate dog food, man. No, I ate it. It's our it's ground turkey. Yeah. It didn't come out of the, <laughs> the dog factory. And so so last night she's like, she we're getting ready to go to the Canucks game, and she's like, Where's all these food? I go, I don't know. And she's like, the ground turkey, and it had carrots and stuff in it. And I was like, oh. Actually, I had that for lunch today. It was really good. No wonder Ollie Delicious. likes it. It was fantastic. <laughs> so, oops. <clears throat> uh, oh, that's outstanding. Sorry, that's, yeah. that's exact. Just happened yesterday. Uh, I, I'm kind <clears throat> of embarrassed to answer because I don't want this to sound like the haves versus the have-nots, but I'm a firm believer if you have a pet, doesn't matter what it is, you have to take proper care of the animal. That's your responsibility and your obligation. So in Tiny's case, I mean, she eats a lot of food. And it's probably in the vicinity of 
three, four hundred dollars a month. Come on. Uh, yeah. You know, it's 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 special brands and things like that. Yeah, and yeah. then yeah, there's other accompaniments and things like that. Yeah, she she puts away the groceries. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, don't so, worry. It'll get better when Mason comes back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll change everything. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, Matthew, Alan, Chris. All good stuff on Ask Rain Dregs. Anything. All right, buddy. What's the travel week look like? I am, oh, uh, now. <clears throat> yeah, I got the Blues, uh, St. Louis, and Vancouver tomorrow night at home. And yeah. Thursday, uh, fly to New York, Vegas, and the Rangers. Yeah. So looking forward to that. And then uh, fly home Saturday. <clears throat> to make sure the kids are all organized and things. And then Sunday afternoon, I'm going on a golf trip for five days. And then I'll end up at the all-star game uh, the following weekend. But, uh, nice. oh boy, the clubs are, they're in my office. They're, they're polished up and ready to go. I swing in a couple of wedges yesterday out in the backyard, uh -huh. you know, kind of in the yeah. rain and stuff. I'm like, that's all right. I can swing. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of nice. Oh, nice I'm ready, to, ready to go. Good for you. Um, yeah, you? you know, yeah, you know, we're, we're in that weird stretch, which is, uh, you know, always thankful for this where we really, I mean, we have regional games, but we don't have anything Toronto Maple Leaf based. So insider trading's doing what I do on the insider beat. Um, but other than that, just we're, we're actually heading Holly and I are going to the cabbage on February 1st, but we're stopping in Thunder Bay. Katie Dreger is the lead in, uh, a theater production. That's going on oh, right now. Good for her. In in Thunder Bay. Yeah. I mean, she's doing interviews with local media and whatnot. I don't, I don't like sharing the spotlight. I, I don't, she's going to have you kicked to the curb in no time. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Good point. That'd be a good reprieve for me. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, um, look forward to the golf yep. trip. Obviously, we'll reconnect on Thursday by, by all accounts. I mean, um, you know, things can change suddenly mm -hmm. depending on what happens. But Rick Bonus, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, is uh, likely joining us on Thursday, and then we'll drop the episode on, on Friday morning. Awesome. Look forward to talking time. to Bones. He's always, uh, if you want energy, always, oh. always, always. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good couple of days. We'll talk to you on, on Thursday or Friday. Yes, and thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Dregs, our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Tim Hortons. And Thank you to you for rating, for listening, and for sharing the podcast and joining us on our YouTube channel as well. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.